through God's anointed leader. His name is Moses. Moses first. Moses, you know, went up to the mountain, got the Ten Commandments, delivered it to God's people. And uh, Israel, through Moses, is brought to the very border of the Promised Land, the land of Canaan. And before taking the land, God instructs Moses to send in ten spies, and the spies go into the land. And um, eight of the ten spies say it's absolutely impossible, the people there are too big, uh, too strong, we'll never be able to take this land that God has promised to us. Uh, but two spies, Joshua and Caleb, say, hey, we can do this. With God helping us, we can do this. But the people are thrown into a frenzy, into a terror, and they say, God, how could you do this to us? And I, we wish you'd just take us right back to Egypt. Now, God is furious with the children of Israel because he has taken such excellent care of them and their sin for not obeying God and for not trusting God is that they are forced to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And so we fast forward 40 years and now the last person of that generation has, has died and Israel is ready to move into the promised land. Israel is ready. And so... Moses sort of passes the baton onto Joshua. Says, "Joshua, take these people, trust the Lord, and uh, listen here, Joshua. When you get into the Promised Land, this is what you need to do. You need to do what we did back in, a few years ago, and you can read the account of that event in Deuteronomy chapter 27." He says, "You need to take the people to Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim, split them in two." get them facing each other. And while you're there, I want you to read to them the law. It's basically the, five, the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And he says, I want you to remind the people of the blessings that they will enjoy if they obey everything that I have commanded. And then I want you to remind them of the curses that will come upon them if they choose to disobey everything I have commanded them. Moses understands the tendency of the human heart to do evil all the time. That's what the Bible says. That person sitting beside you, you wouldn't expect that they would have that tendency. They look so prim and proper. They look like a proper church lady. Surely they wouldn't commit sin. The Bible says that absolutely every one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Absolutely every one of us here has a tendency towards sin. Moses knows this. And so he says, look at Joshua. These last words I'm going to pass on to you, the most important words that I can pass on to you, the most important advice I can give you is make sure you line the people up and remind them of what my word says so that my people will be blessed in this new land that they're going into. And by the way, the reason God gave Canaan, the land of Canaan, to Israel, is because the sin, the evil, the wickedness of the land was so great 
that God had determined that he was going to have to wipe these people off the face of the earth. That sounds extreme. But I cannot even begin to tell you this morning the levels of evil and wickedness that were taking place in land because it's all X-rated. I could not repeat it. The evil is so great, so evil, so wicked, so perverse, so twisted, that I couldn't repeat from the pulpit the things that were going on in the, Can- in the land of Canaan. And God said, we cannot, I cannot have this anymore. And my people, a righteous people, a people who obey me, a people who will do my will, are going to take over this land. And so God instructs Joshua to be strong and of good courage. Don't be afraid, Joshua. Lead the people. And you know the story the way that Moses was able to lead the people through the Red Sea. God, God did the same miracle for Joshua. The, the, the Jordan River was ported, parted and the people went into the promised land. And their instructions were to go to Mount Ebal and Gerizim. Now, let's just take a look at the scripture here. Then all the Israelites, foreigners and native-born alike, along with the elders, officers, and judges, were divided into two groups. One group stood in front of Mount Gerizim and the other in front of Mount Ebal. Each group faced the other, and between them stood the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant. Remember, the Ark of the Covenant represented the very presence of God. This was all done according to the commands that Moses, the servant of the Lord, had previously given for the blessing of the people of Israel. Now, let's just take a look at Mount Gerizim and, and Mount Ebal. You see it there. They would have crossed the Jordan River, and, and they were to go to the place called Shechem. And let's just uh, go to the next slide here. There it is. On the left side is Mount Gerizim, on the right is Mount Ebal. I don't know, uh, Kevin, did you go there? I don't know if you went there or not. But if you go there, you, you know, you'll discover that there is, it is like a natural amphitheater. You don't even need a sound system. You can clearly hear what one person is saying from one side to the other. Scientists have tested this. It's a natural amphitheater. It's, it's 1.6 kilometers apart, and yet they could hear the Word of God being read to them. This is a ceremony in Shechem. It happened not once. It happened actually several times. Let's go to the next slide. Joshua then read to them all the blessings and curses Moses had written in the book of instruction. Every word of every command that Moses had ever given was read to the entire assembly of Israel, including the women and children and the foreigners who lived among them. Now before reading these blessings to the people of Israel, before reading about the curses that Israel would experience, Israel, in fact, had experienced what would happen if they obeyed God and what would happen if they disobeyed God. They experienced the blessings of God at the very first city that they attacked. It was the city of, anybody know? Jericho. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. That's right. Let's all sing it. Ready? No, forget it. (laughs) Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. The very first battle that they fight. And then, of course, the second battle was the battle of Ai. I want us to consider this morning what happens when we obey God and what happens when we sin against God. The very first thing I want to talk about this morning, then, is the blessing of God. Now, I remember 
uh, uh, some of you may, not, may or may not know this, but I did not grow up in a Christian home. At least the first years of my life were, were not, definitely not uh, a home of a Christian. It was my sister and then it was, uh, it was me that came to Christ. And Some of you remember me telling you this story. We came home and told our parents. And God began to move in my parents' hearts. And before long, they started going to church. And next thing you know, uh, my, my parents committed their hearts to Christ. And I'm going to tell you that before my dad committed his life to Christ, uh, he was a smoker, smoked Rothmans. He was a, a drinker, and uh, our house was a party house. And you remember me telling stories about how I'd come down Saturday morning or Sunday morning. We weren't going to church then, and uh, my brothers and I would drain the beer bottles. And uh, I, you remember telling me, t- telling you about my brother Josh, not checking to see what was actually in those bottles. My brother drank many a beer, uh, a smoke butt. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's all we knew. And then one day my dad and my mom began to go to church. And my parents began to follow Christ. And I can remember the radical change that took place in our home. I remember that my dad wasn't angry all the time anymore. I used to watch my dad driving up to the front of the house after work. There's always somebody on guard watching to see when dad would get home. And as soon as dad got home, the TV went off and we went off in, in every direction because we didn't want to see dad after a hard day's work. It would break my dad's heart to hear me say that. But I say that to talk about not his failings, but to talk about what happened when he gave his heart to Christ. His life was literally transformed. And he began a business. Duncalf Mechanical the first, Corey. Corey works my brother's. He's got a company called Duncalf Mechanical, which is Duncalf Mechanical the second. But first was Duncalf Mechanical, my dad's company. Our life was literally being transformed. And my dad insisted that my brothers and I, my sister, we begin to tithe because he said this would bring the blessing of God upon our lives. My dad was tithing. My dad was giving of his time. He was volunteering at Calvary Temple Youth Camp. Our whole family would be out there for a weekend working on that. Marilyn, you remember that. We did all the plumbing there. We opened the camp. We closed the camp down. Life began to change. We got a a nice new vehicle. We got vehicles. I remember getting my very first suit, a polyester brown suit. (laughs) And a polyester floral shirt. It was open down to here. Like this. Only with no shirt underneath. Just a few hairs sprouting out. Very, very, very gross. But I look like a million bucks. Christmas time is fantastic. Birthday, birthdays were great. Parents were able to give us nice gifts. We were able to go to restaurants after church. Our lives were 
were completely turned around. We began to experience the blessing of God on our lives because our parents decided that they were going to follow God with all their hearts. Now I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you remember what it was like when you came to Christ? When you gave your heart to Christ? Some of you grew up in a Christian home and you've known blessing most of your life. But for those of us who didn't have that blessing at the beginning of our lives, we began to see a huge transformation take place in our personal lives. Do you remember what it was like when you first came to God? Do you remember how when you first came to to Christ, your life changed? God took away that addiction, that habit. Do you remember how God gave you that new job? You, you uh, cried out to God and God was there. He gave you a job because He promised to meet all your needs. In fact, He kept His promise. And you remember how your marriage and your family were saved because you decided you were going to follow God, you were going to obey Him, you are going to keep His command, you are going to do what He said. you remember how your financial position turned around when you gave your heart to Jesus? Because you were obeying God. You quit smoking, you quit drinking, and suddenly you had enough money for a mortgage payment. You remember how when you started tithing, God kept His promise to bless you and to meet all your needs. You remember how God gave you a new family in place of that dysfunctional one you have. God gave you a brand new family that you could belong to. Now I want you to know something. God gave clear instructions to Jericho, or to, uh, to Israel when they, when they went to Jericho. And God said this. He said, this is what you must do. You must march around the city every day for six days with seven priests carrying ram horns in front of the ark. And they did that. And then on the seventh day, they were to march around the city not once but seven times, and the priests were to blow their ram's horns Now, can you imagine that? Israel has come into this brand new land, and they're looking at this fortified city, the city of Jericho. It was a grand city, high walls. Nobody was able to attack Jericho. No one was able to subdue these people. But God says, I'm going to give you this city if you do what I tell you to do. If you obey me, I'm going to make you victorious. This is what you have to do. March around the city once every day. On the seventh day, I want you to march around seven times. And after you've marched around seven times, the priest said to blow the ram's horn, and you are to shout. Now, it sounds absolutely ridiculous. I mean, there's no general at West Point that would go along with that kind of a strategy to conquer a city. No one would go along with that kind of a strategy. It sounds absolutely ridiculous. In fact, the enemies that Israel had faced in the 40 years in the wilderness, none of them used that strategy. The weapons of warfare that Israel was familiar with were were swords and spears and horses, if you can get them. And God's saying, you're going to conquer Jericho by marching around it. And the people are looking down from the city of the children of Israel, and the children of Israel are looking up kind of timidly, like, 
Hi. Just doing what we're supposed to do. Hi. Maybe feeling ridiculous. Can't you just see some of the teenagers, the Israelite teenagers, thinking, Dad, do I have to do this? They're looking down at us, and they look, we look ridiculous, Dad. We're just marching around doing nothing. They obeyed God, and on that seventh day, when they marched around seven days, and the horns were sounded, and the war cry was given, suddenly the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. And suddenly, Israel experienced, tasted for the first time, the great blessing that belongs to all who obey God. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart this morning, because here's the thing. The Word of God is not given to destroy your fun or to take away your joy or to take away your happiness. The Word of God is not a killjoy. God's purpose is not to take away your joy, but to give you joy. To give you a sense of happiness, a fulfillment of blessing. God knows best. What would happen if the people of Israel had decided that they were going to do things their own way? What would happen if the people of Israel said, you know, we're going to try to take the city our own way? Well, it would have been a disaster. And so it is for every one of us. When we decide that we are going to try to do this life in our own strength, in our own wisdom, according to our own ability, you want the blessing of God in your life. If you want to enjoy God's provision, if you want to know his guidance in your life, if you want to know his protection, if you want to know his divine assistance in whatever it is that you're going through, then you're going to have to repent, confess your sin, and turn back to God in obedience and start doing what he wants you to do. You're going to have to start obeying him. You know, there's all kinds of books and seminars on success. How to be successful, how to be happy, how to get ahead. But I'm going to tell you, my friends, that without the blessing of God in your life, I don't care what kind of strategies, what kind of books that you read, I don't care what kind of, what kind of ideas or positive thinking that you come up with, you're not going to make it. And if you do, it's going to be short-lived. If you do, it's going to be wealth with many headaches and heartaches. That's what it says in the Proverbs. Do you want the blessing of God in your life? Do you want to know his provision, his power at work in your life? Do you want to know that blessing? God promises that to all who obey him. And that's what Israel found. Great blessing through obeying God. Now these Israelites are suddenly like, hey, you see what happened? <laughs> We've got it, man. There's nothing and no one that can stand in our way. <laughs> We're pretty amazing people. We're God's chosen. We're king's kids. 
There's nothing in known that can stand in our way. We've got God on our side. And some of Joshua's generals say, hey, look, why don't we go take I? Well, listen, this is where Israel discovers the cursings of God. Let me just say this to you. Everybody here wants a blessing in your life. Does anybody here not want a blessing? Of course you want a blessing. If you didn't want a blessing, then, then you would be probably uh, certified, uh, certifiably uh, insane <laughs> or not thinking clearly. Of course you want the blessing of God in your life. Israel wanted the blessing of God on them. Everyone wants that. And everyone wants to believe that somehow he or she is a favorite of God, that somehow they're going to get the blessing of God no matter what. I mean, God blessed me in the past. He's going to bless me again, right? Somehow we believe that we are guaranteed a blessing. In fact, that is what... Many churches in North America and around the world preach. God's promised your king's kid, you're going to be blessed no matter what. And that's simply not true. It's simply not biblical. You are not guaranteed a blessing in your life unless you obey God. Anybody ever hear of uh, Lindsay Lohan? A star, superstar. Started as a really as a child, child star. And somehow she believed that the rules didn't apply to her. Somehow she believed that she should enjoy all the blessings of her status, of her place in life, that somehow she was above the law. She could drink and drive. And she didn't have to go to court. She didn't have to stand before the judge. And you, maybe you saw it played out on CNN or whatever news you listen to, but there she is crying and shocked that the judge is sending her to jail. Supposed to go for 90 days. What is she getting, 13? <laughs> but shocked, totally shocked that this would happen to her. How could this happen to her? She's Lindsay Lohan. I want to tell you something today. The blessing of God is not guaranteed on your life unless you are following God and obeying Him. Things may be going well for you right now, but I'm going to tell you this right now, that unless you keep your eyes on Jesus and unless you keep on doing God's will, things could change for you dramatically tomorrow. But isn't it so true that when things are going well, we tend to forget about God? Isn't that true? When things go well, we tend to forget about God and we seem to think, no, you know what? I can, I can manage this on my own. And that's exactly what happened to Israel. They were mighty. They were victorious at Jericho. And the generals are saying to, to Joshua, look, at, don't send all the men this time. There's just a few thousand of them. We can do this. Just send up a few thousand of our men and we can, we can, we can handle them. No problem. There's no need for all of us to go. Don't take any more than two or 3,000 men to attack I. And so you know the story. And if you don't, here it is. A few thousand Israelite men go up against I. 
And the Bible says approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated against the few men of Ai. They came back defeated, and 36 were put to, to death. And, and Joshua now, having just gone through the process of leading the people through victory, is now faced with a defeat, and he falls on his face before God, and he says, God, what is going on? Has that ever happened to you? Things are going well, and all of a sudden, things just, you fall flat in your face, and it's a disaster, it's a catastrophe, and you say, God, where are you? I thought you loved me. I thought you cared about me. I thought you were on my side. God, I thought that you're a God who keeps his promises. Remember what I prayed here this morning? If you're not experiencing the promises of God in your life, it may not be that it may not be that God is to blame. It may very well be that you're to blame. In fact, my experience is, is God always keeps his promises. The Bible says that the Israelites were paralyzed with fear. And their courage melted away. Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay. They threw dust on their heads and they bowed their face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. And the Bible says, And Joshua cried out, O sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you're going to let the Amorites kill us? Have you asked God those kind of questions? God, I gave my heart to you. I gave my life to you. I even tithe, God. Why would you allow this struggle, this difficulty in my life? And then Joshua says these startling words, if only we had been content to stay on the other side of the river. Maybe that's you this morning. You think, you know, if <laughs> this Christianity thing is just not working out for me. You know, I tried to follow God and things didn't work out. Well, I'm going to tell you something. It's not God's fault that things aren't working out for you. You need to take time to examine your own heart. And then Joshua hears the voice of God. And the Lord said to Joshua, Joshua, get up. Get up off your face. Why are you lying on your face like this? Get up. The reason you're not enjoying my blessing currently is because you're living in disobedience. I told you that when these cities were to be destroyed, that the people were not to keep anything for themselves. It was all to be consecrated, all to be given to God. In fact, the way it was to be given to God is that it was all to be burned. Nothing was to be kept. But there was a man in the, in the camp. His name is Achan. And Achan saw some robes. He saw some money. And he said, man, that looks good. I'm going to keep some for myself. And he took it and he buried it in his tent. And he thought, nobody's going to know about this. No one's going to find out about it. It'll be, be my little secret. And I'll be a rich man. But how many know today? God sees. God knows what happens in secret. Do you know that? God knows all about it. You may think you're fooling your wife. You may think you're fooling your children. You may think you're fooling your boss. 
You may even be fooling yourself. But God knows all about it. And so if you're experiencing anything less than the blessing of God in your life, then what you need to do is you need to get on your face before God and say, God, what's going on? I'm going to warn you right now, and I think some need a warning this morning, that if you don't get your life cleaned up, this may in fact be your final warning before you lose it all. But the Spirit of God speaks to your heart. I believe that this is a prophetic word for someone this morning. If you don't get your life cleaned up immediately, you may be on the verge of losing it all. And I don't say that with any joy, any glee. I say it with fear and trembling. But I can tell you this, that God will not accommodate sin in the lives of his children. You will experience the curse of God in your life. Achan had caused the death of 36 of his countrymen. And God called Achan out. And Achan was stoned, put to death. He lost it all. Are you on the verge of losing it all? Because I can tell you, the blessing of God is reserved for those who obey God. The blessing of God is reserved for those who diligently seek Christ. And so Israel has come through Jericho's blessing and the curse of Ai. And they're now standing, half of them on the foot of Mount Ebal, facing the other half of Israel, standing at the foot of Mount Gerizim. And as they listen to Joshua read to them the blessings and the curses of God, I can tell you it was very, very real to them. It was just not an idea. It was something that they had actually experienced in their lives. Now here's the good news. For those of you who are not living the way you need to live or not doing what you need to do, the Bible is clear that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And when you do that, you invite the blessing of God in your life once again. I know this morning you want to enjoy the blessing of God. There's some changes that need to take place. And before you leave this house this morning, you need to cry out to God and ask for forgiveness. You need to reconsecrate your life to God so that once again you can enjoy his blessing. Is God a vindictive God? No, he's not. He's a loving father who wants the best for you and for me. He's a loving father. There's no judgment, no condemnation. And what I'm saying to you this morning, this is a message that is intended to give you life, life abundant. Just days earlier, they experience the blessings of God at Jericho and the curses of God at the city of Ai. This morning, God is giving us a choice. Will we come under a curse by doing whatever we, we want to do, or will we enjoy the blessings of God by making a decision to obey him? 
This morning, God is giving each of us a choice. Joshua, in his very last speech, Joshua chapter 24, he reminds the people what will happen if they obey God. And he says, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And Joshua warns the people, if you abandon the Lord and serve other gods, if you abandon the Lord and serve other gods, if you abandon the Lord and do your own thing, if you abandon the Lord and pursue your own agenda, God will turn against you and destroy you, even though he has been so good to you. God may have been good to you in the past, that's not a guarantee. That's not a blanket guarantee that you can just do as you please and enjoy the blessing of God. God wants to experience his blessing, but it only comes through obeying him. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, you are moving through this place by your spirit very powerfully. You are reminding us, Lord, of how important it is to follow you faithfully, to obey you. Lord, some of us are being faced, even at this very moment, with a decision to turn away from those things that are, are about to destroy us. Lord, we know that the blessing of God comes through obedience, and yet some of us are putting that at jeopardy. Our job, our marriage, our family, even our physical well-being. God, we pray right now in the name of Jesus, you do a work on our hearts. Cause us to come before you, Lord, in repentance and ask for forgiveness, knowing, God, that you are merciful, you are loving, and you will forgive. God, we want to know your blessing in our lives. Give us the grace, we pray, to follow you with all our hearts. We pray that in Jesus' name. Let's stand together and sing.